0: Please be aware that in this episode, we will be discussing sexual assault and suicide. You're listening to Rock Your Kindness, a new podcast presented by Love What Matters and dedicated to highlighting incredible stories surrounded by kindness. I'm your host, Tracy Farron author, speaker, cancer thriver, and online creator. But what I really love to do is inspire others to be kinder to themselves and those they encounter because you never know how your kindness can change the trajectory of not just your life, but the life of another. I drove to the Sunshine Skyway Bridge and had every intention of ending things right there. Then music found a way to speak to me. Brave by Sarah Bareilles came on. And the line, show me how big your brave is, just hit me like a ton of bricks. I drove home and cried for hours. I realized I needed help and started going to therapy. But that was a long road. So you have been sexually assaulted three times. You're self-harming. You're drinking. You're doing drugs. And you said you found yourself at the Sunshine Skyway Bridge, correct? Yep, that's the bridge. Tell me about that.
1: I was sitting at an exit and I was just like thinking, and I knew a lot of people jump off that bridge all the time. It's the second most common suicide location across the nation next to the Golden Gate Bridge. Do you know why? It's one of the highest bridges. It's huge and it's horrible and it's almost not possible to survive it. It's just not. It's so incredibly high up and it's like an immediate, you hit the ground and all your bones break. Like there is no Mm -hmm. surviving it. And the people that have survived it- like my dad had a friend that jumped and he was paralyzed from the neck down for mm. the rest of his life. So I went and I was, I was just thinking, and then I drove up there and I I pulled over for a couple of minutes and I looked over the side and I don't remember anything from previously. I was just sitting there, looking over the water, looking, just thinking, and I was just totally at peace because I was like, you know what? If I'm not here, I can't feel anything. If I'm not here, it can't continue to happen. If I'm not here, then I don't have to vent to people and put that on everybody else. And I thought about it. I had my car still on, music was playing and it just kind of took over completely for me. There was different songs playing and something inside of me was like, you're going to miss out on so much if you do it. So it was like a really heavy internal battle for me of you're going to miss out on a lot, but in a different aspect, you could miss out on a lot of other painful situations that seem to somehow find their way to you all the time. So that's where that started. The Skyway Bridges that was my beginning with the Skyway bridge, and that just blew up from there because that was one of my spots that I constantly thought of going. and every time I would think I could do it, I couldn't bring myself to actually like do it because I would think of other people.
0: And is that why you didn't jump is just thinking of other people? Is that what prevented it?
1: Uh, Originally? Yeah. It was like people like my mom, my dad, my brother, my friends at the time. And I have lost a lot of people to suicide. So I know what it's like to be the person that's left behind asking like, what could I have done to make them want to stay? What could I have possibly done to get them to change their mind and see that they're worth a better life and it's possible. You just have to work for it. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You just have to keep walking to get there. You're not going to get to the light if you just stand there and stare at it. You have to move. You can't stay there.
0: I'm so glad you said that because I use that exact same analogy about the light at the end of the tunnel, but that how it takes work and that work is walking towards it, right? You have to move. If you just stand there, you're going to stay in the dark forever. So I love you said that because that's how I... Explain it as well. And as you're sitting there, sorry.
1: Talking about, I guess for me, it's like, so
0: I've been married twice. I'm going on 19 years. And my first husband, like, I have a soft spot for this topic. I don't talk on it often. That's why I was so glad to have you so that we could kind of get this out there more. My ex husband committed suicide, he jumped off of a building. And that was, oh gosh, I think 2015. And so for me, what I think of people who do this or think about it is they are in so much pain. Like to get to that point, you have to be in so much pain. And I think that's what's hard, you know, is knowing We all have dealt with struggles, right? Right. So I think we all know pain, different types for sure. I've had my own struggles. I've had my ultimate struggle in life as well. And I know pain. It's different than your pain, but we both know pain. So to get to that point where it's just so overwhelming, that is just so heartbreaking for me. I think we all know somebody, whether close or not who has gone through that. And in all transparency, when I was a teen, I tried committing suicide. Obviously I'm here today. (laughs) I think I was like 15, 14, 15, somewhere right around there. And I was in so much emotional pain. And of course at that age, we don't know how to cope, right? Mm -mm. And the only way I thought, okay, I can't handle this pain. How can I get out of it? And so I ate a whole bottle of Tylenol pills, which whatever was left in the bottle is what I swallowed. And I felt bad really fast. (laughs) So I called my parents because I it scared the crap out of me, honestly. So they had to pump my stomach and keep me awake because I think so much Tylenol was in my system that I was trying to doze off. And I remember them just trying to keep me awake. I don't know if dozing off is really bad or once you're asleep, it maybe it's hard to bring you back. But I just remember that being their big thing was keep her awake, keep her awake. They kept rubbing my chest think my sternum or something. And there's one thing he said that the EMT or whatever he was, there's one thing he said that has always stayed with me. And it's actually in my book. I talk about this is he said, she's so pretty. Why would she do this? And I remember thinking, what the hell does my look, what does that have to do with anything? So pretty girls can't be sad, struggle, be in pain. Pretty girls are supposed to have an easy life. Like Mm-hmm. I don't know why, out of that entire experience, out of everything, that stayed with me, and I just thought it was such a load of crap hearing it that. is
1: it is. I've been told you haven't made. Like what do you have to be upset about? And I'm like, what? Do you mean I haven't made? What do you mean? Like, and that's before they even ask, like genuinely ask me what happened? Yeah. What is what has hurt you so bad that you feel like your only way to escape your situation is to escape life. Yeah. And nobody talks about that. And I love that you said that whenever you were a teenager, you tried and it was unsuccessful, which I'm so sorry that you ever felt that way because it's one of the worst feelings. And I don't wish that on anybody ever. But I don't think mental health is talked about enough especially in the younger generation because i know that when i was younger and i had those thoughts i had absolutely no idea how permanent it actually was i was totally clueless i was like i just won't be here it'll be fine i have three kids my oldest is nine my middle is seven my youngest is going to be five next week (laughs) god it's he's so little too it's terrifying because he's this tiny little thing and i'm like oh my god you're gonna go to kindergarten oh my god he's so sweet. they grow up fast <laughs> he's just so petite and just like tiny and he's just so sweet there's kids that are the age of my daughter that are taking their own lives and mm-hmm. i just keep telling myself like there's no way that these children this age know exactly what they're doing Like there's no way. Like even you said, when you were younger, you were a teenager, and then it was scary because you started feeling those effects of Mm -hmm. that medication. That's what I think about when I hear kids and teenagers and like the younger generation hurting themselves or taking their own lives. Like looking back, and I'm like, do they even realize what they're actually doing? I don't think anybody knows what depression is until they go through it. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody knows what PTSD is or anxiety or schizophrenia or bipolar or multiple personalities or all the different broad spectrum mental health conditions that people go through until they actually go through it they don't talk about it so you don't know what depression is until you're 13 14 years old sitting there thinking that you don't want to be alive anymore and then yeah by that time you're just like oh well now what like nobody talks about it and that's just another monster in itself and it's like nobody wants to talk about it but it's something that needs to be talked about because until it is numbers are going to keep climbing and people are gonna keep going.
0: Yeah, out of fear, out of shame, people have a hard time opening up. I pulled some statistics. I think I pulled it from your website. And on there, it said that 79% of suicides are male. And it's with a firearm. And initially when we had our first time set up scheduled to do this, I think that was right when everyone found out that Twitch had committed suicide by a firearm, which is just heartbreaking. Because again, I don't think anyone's ever really going to know why, maybe his wife, but no one's really ever going to know why. For me, it's like, man, he was in so much pain. That's what I always go back to. Yeah. Is these people are just hurting. I remember when yeah, when I found out about my ex-husband committing suicide, like the first day it felt not real. I didn't even like have a reaction. His father called me. I don't know if I went numb or was like, is that a dream? Like, I don't know. But the thing that I always go back to is, oh my gosh, the pain that that man must have been in to take his own life, right? And I think it's so sad. And then hearing about Twitch, I just thought, oh my gosh, this guy, you know, so many people show up and they have a mask and they're funny, right? Or they're always telling the jokes to the life of the party and they seem so positive. And then you hear that they take their life and you're like, it's because of the pain that they're in, yeah. they want it to stop. Right. And that's the only way they can think to get it to stop really is just so heartbreaking. You on your website, you said that one in every 100,000 children ages 10 to 14 years old are lost by suicide. Seven in 100,000 teenagers ages 15 to 19 are lost by suicide. Each year. And then you put that one person every 40 seconds in the world. Right. So much, especially when you sit here and you think
1: about how many seconds are in a day. Yeah. And then how many people are gone? How many seconds are in an hour? So every 40 seconds, somebody has gone. And that just blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind.
0: Since you and I have been sitting here, about 60 people, give or take. Are gone. have, Have taken their life because mm-hmm. of the pain that they're in and they know no other way. And you, oh my goodness, right. if you think about it like that in this one conversation that that many people have taken their life just from you and I talking, that is pretty freaking powerful. That's insane though, when you really think about it like that. But it's well, When you think about it
1: that way, it's very true. And then when you think about it in this manner, this is what, this was like the catastrophic, earth shattering, groundbreaking tidbit of information that changed my life and my outlook on mental health and depression and staying and trying to spread the message of just freaking stay please so every 40 seconds somebody's gone now there's a ripple effect because that's one person that was in a tremendous amount of pain well their pain is no longer here now that pain is passed to so how many people did they have in their life so now how wow. many people every 41 seconds every 42 wow. seconds are now dealing with a loss and a new wave of depression, where are they now blaming themselves? Are they now carrying this heavy weight of what could I have done? Are they going to now have this urge to hurt themselves or take their life because they feel somehow responsible for this other person who's no longer here? So it's a huge ripple effect that a lot of people don't realize. And then by that time, it's already too late. So yeah, every 40 seconds, somebody's gone. But every 41 seconds, how many people are impacted by that ripple?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was right there. I am not in love with my ex-husband that just isn't a thing, but I was married to him. I had two kids with him It still hit too hard. And for me, I went through the same thing. Could I have done anything differently? Could I have been a better ex-wife? Could I have tried to have him involved in my life more? Like just all these things. I think that's natural for people to feel that way. Although like logically I knew that it wasn't my fault. I think the people you leave behind, like you can't help but have those questions. And then, even though my husband now has adopted my girls, they're his girls now too, but they lost their biological father. Right. How is that going to impact them? It really is a lot. But I think, even then, like, I think when somebody is in that state of mind, I don't know if thinking about other people in the moment, obviously, it's not enough. Mm-mm right? Because people do it all the time. So thinking of others, although it's very true that by somebody taking their life, other people, that pain is passed on or certain amounts or certain types of pain is passed on to them. They're just not thinking about that.
1: And from experience, I can tell you, they're thinking about other people. It's just not in the way that everybody's thinking. It's it, They're not thinking about, oh my God, this would be horrible. I don't know how I lucked out and was able to think that when I was 19 years old, because I don't know what came across my head in that moment that flipped the switch on. I was like, how many people are going to hurt from this? Most people in retrospect, they turn around and they're like, how many people am I saving from dealing with my problems? How many people can, like my brother, I love him, he's here, not in this house, but like he's on this earth and he struggles with mental health. He struggles with addiction. He struggles with a lot. And that is something that I drive myself up and down a wall on a daily basis because he struggles hard. And one of the things that he talks about is like, I wonder if my kids would be better off if I wasn't here Mm -hmm. because they see their dad going through something that they shouldn't have to see. You can say whatever you want at the end of the day, nobody is going to permanently change somebody's mind. Ultimately they have to be in control of themselves, but people want closure they want answers they want something that's going to give them the ability to let go of the pain of losing somebody so they'll search for answers and unfortunately with suicide that's an answer nobody's ever going to get somebody's going to carry the weight somebody is going to blame themselves or multiple people are going to blame themselves and that's something that i carry from friends that i thought i could help and i couldn't And that drives me nuts. Today marks a while since a friend of mine has not been here. She didn't pass on this day. She actually passed on Valentine's Day, but it was this day that she hung herself. There's just a lot about mental health that people don't look at. People call suicide selfish and horrible. And they talk so poorly on people that take their own lives, not realizing how much pain they're actually in. And the fact that they are thinking of others, just not in the way that people are assuming. Like, I don't know how to explain, like, it sounds selfish and I understand where people are coming from, but as someone that's been there in the person's head, that's hurting it's selfless. All they're doing is thinking Mm -hmm. about other people and how they can fix and get rid of all the pain and not cause turmoil on other people's lives and stop putting all their troubles on other people's plates. And that's what goes through their heads. And even though that's not realistic, that's not true. That's how everybody feels when they're thinking
0: that. Right. It's like, I'm a burden. So let me remove that burden from their life. You had that one in every five people in the U.S. have a mental health disorder. That was on your website, which is roughly over 51 million people. You would think with it being so common that there would maybe be more help, better help, talked about. I do definitely think that it is talked about a lot more now than it was yeah. when I was going through all my stuff. I even think in 2015, him being a guy, he did have a lot of mental health issues. But sometimes I think when I see everything is that maybe there is there more shame and fear and everything around guys dealing? There is.
1: They're absolutely is. like and like it's, it's less acceptable, right? Yeah, it's like the toxic masculinity. like they're not allowed mm. to feel. They're not allowed to talk about their feelings, because, God forbid they actually have feelings. They're not allowed to cry. men don't cry. They don't have soft spots. Like men are just as human as women. I don't care what gender you are. I don't care where you come from, your background, your history. It does not discriminate. It does not discriminate, And if you are upset, you are upset. That is the end of that. Like you have feelings and the fact that society has basically deemed it inappropriate and not manly for men to talk about what they go through. Disgusts me. It makes me absolutely sick to my stomach.
0: Well, the fact that 79% of suicides are male Mm -hmm. is proof that men have feelings and go through things but I wonder if societies know you're a man, men, because I've girl, I've heard that a lot as well. Men don't mm-hmm. cry, toughen up, like you're a man, all these things. And we're feeding the wrong message, right. right? And it's clear that they're not talking about it because 79% are men. Yep. Something has got to change for sure with all of this. You went to the bridge, but you decided you weren't going to jump, correct? Right. Correct. And how old were you at that point?
1: 19. Look,
0: Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and, 6'1 since that matters, and, what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed to get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. I wasn't drinking anymore. I was doing well for a year and met a guy at a local line dancing bar. We became friends and he knew my past, so I trusted him. He was great for a while. I ended up pregnant with my first baby, a girl, and we got married. I was 37 weeks pregnant the first time he put his hands on me. Our daughter was two months old when I found out he was sleeping with another woman and I left him. He never came around again and ended up signing his rights over to our baby girl. He has two other children he abandoned and was abusive to that woman as well. She and I are good friends and my daughter knows she has two siblings in that way. That was my first experience with domestic violence. So moving forward,
1: what took place? I went through my first abusive relationship. So that was where it kind of went to down spiral again. I was like, oh, okay. I know this guy. He's nice. I did start therapy after that incident. And I was talking about my feelings. I wasn't harming myself anymore. I was finding healthier ways to bring myself out of anxiety. Ice is such a good way to do that. I met this guy at this place that we would all go dancing and we would all go have fun. And I got with him. He was great for the first few months. I ended up pregnant. My first child is almost 10. And her dad was not the best in any way. He hasn't seen her since she was two months old. He signed his rights over, which ultimately was in her best interest. Obviously, I would never do that without having a reason, but he was very physical with me and very aggressive. My daughter went back to the hospital when she was three days old because his mother came over and took her out of her nightgown and set her on my cold leather couch. And she was screaming. And I was like, she's three days old. Why? And she was like, oh, she needs to get on a sleep schedule. I was like, she's three days old. What is a sleep schedule for a three day? What does that mean? And I was like, you can go. So I picked her up and then there was a blood stain on her nightgown because we put her nightgown back on her. So she had her undress on the couch, put the nightgown back on her after I got upset, and she left. And she had a little blood stain on her nightgown. It was because her umbilical cord had gotten snagged and ripped off. So she ended up in the hospital because I was the first time mom. I just panicked and I was like, oh my God, my child's bleeding. Oh my God. I panicked, took her to the hospital. She ended up being like really jaundiced. So it was like a blessing in disguise. She ended up in the hospital for being jaundiced for a couple of days, almost a week. And I was up there every day. He never once went and saw her. And this was my fourth sexual assault. Because like I said previously, people don't realize that you can say no in a relationship. And it means no. It still means no.
0: Sometimes in a relationship, whether it's mainly more men than women, but I'm sure it can be both. You think because you're married or you're with somebody that you own their body or somehow their body is yours or it's your possession
1: is not true that's not the case and that was what happened with him again this was my first child and you have children so i'm Mm -hmm. sure you're familiar with like certain terms i had a fourth degree tear Mm -hmm. so i ripped from hole to hole and that was excruciating and that was horrible and i'm allergic to the epidural so like i was super swollen and oh my god it was just traumatic she was in the hospital for jaundice He went out and drank with his friends again, literally the first week and a half, two weeks of her life. You're not normal after having a baby physically in that manner. You, You can't be sexually active. It's not healthy. It's not good for you right away. It's not, especially when you're a child sitting in a hospital and your emotions and hormones are everywhere. He came home completely obliterated and continued to ask and beg and tell me that he needed it it's been so long and this that and the third and i kept saying no and then it just got to the point where i just stopped talking and it's like i reverted back to being 16 in my head mm-hmm. and i was just completely silent and i ended up in the hospital because he re-ripped where i was just sewn wow from having and that was my fourth while in a relationship i was actually married to him me and him split he ended up getting with somebody that I was friends with. He beat the crap out of her. It's just who he is. That's never going to change.
0: Yeah. You know, and I was sitting here thinking because my first relationship. Now, one thing that, that is very important to me is that I don't like to bash my ex, right? There are things that my kids don't know that maybe, and they're adults, but maybe when they're a little bit older, we can have discussions. But I never wanted for me to rip him apart, especially when they're little. What is that going to do Mm-mm. for them? Because I know as kids, when I was a kid, you have a way of making everything about you. And so I never wanted to say anything bad to my children. I mean, I would be open to my husband sometimes now about the relationship, but I knew if I bad mouth him to my girls somehow, because kids make everything about them, that somehow they would internalize that and make it their fault or whatever. So it's always been really important to me in anything not to bash them, but then there's truth, right? And there's facts. And that relationship that I was in, did have a level of abuse. So when I think about it, and as I'm sitting here thinking about you and your story and everything that you've been through since you were 16, it makes me wonder is as women, because of certain things that we have been through, we settle for that because that's what we think we deserve.
1: Yeah, there's a quote that I've heard that's we accept the love we think we deserve. And yeah, that has always hit a nerve for me. I feel like that's one of the most accurate things I've ever heard is, Heartbreaking as it is, it's so incredibly true. And at the end of the day, you still have to tell yourself, okay, like we accept the love we think we deserve. But in reality, I deserve the same love that I so freely give to every single person mm-hmm. that I cross paths with. Everybody calls me like the giving tree and like the strong friend, the strong willed one, the one that's always there for everybody, the one that has everybody's back, the ones that are always laughing, the one that's always perfectly fine. And I've been referred to as like a robot if I get upset because I just shut down because that's. My defense mechanism is to not feel anything. So I don't revert back to the spots and later I cry about it, but that's just the way we do things. And it's sad that that's the way that we all feel like it's normal to do that. And it shouldn't be that way.
0: Yeah, for sure. I stayed single, focused on my daughter, school, work, and healing. I had a guy in my life I had known since I was 15, but due to my past, I was very guarded. He managed to show me he was good, and we started dating when my daughter was almost two. I ended up pregnant very fast, and he was so excited. But that excitement turned into arguing by the time I was about six months pregnant. I had a very rough pregnancy and was hospitalized a lot for hypermesis gravidarum. He wasn't physical. But the verbal abuse was pretty bad. I told myself it wasn't abuse because it wasn't physical and decided to stay. But the longer I stayed, the worse it got. I was in and out of depressive episodes where I wanted to end my life. I tried three separate times to overdose and all three times I failed. I got so good at pretending it was an accident so that I would never be hospitalized. We continued arguing and being toxic to one another for six years before I made the choice that I needed to leave in order to give my kids the best life. Then I found out I was pregnant again. I went through another incredibly hard pregnancy. I experienced verbal abuse during the pregnancy, hospital admissions constantly for preterm labor, and hypermesis so bad that I had to have pick lines, home health care, and oxygen. I delivered a boy at 36 weeks. He had a NICU stay, and after we got home, I hoped things would change, but they didn't. His family treated me like absolute dirt and told me constantly that I was a horrible person, mom, and wife. Anytime something bad happened, they made sure I was the target. After having it drilled into my head constantly that you're nothing, especially as a mom, it gets to you. So I wanted to make sure others didn't feel as bad about themselves as I did. Be sure to tune in next week to part three of Tiffany's story, where things take a turn for the better and she starts to make positive change. If you or anyone you know has experienced sexual assault and needs help, you can reach out to the National Sexual Assault Hotline at one 800 656 4673. You can dial or text 988 for the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Help is available. Please reach out if you need it and choose to stay. If you know someone this story might resonate with, send them a link to this episode. Also, tag me on Instagram at Tracy Farron and let me know what part of this story resonated with you the most. The best way to help support this show is to rate, review, and subscribe. Your support means everything. Until next time, rock your kindness.